Hey, Jay Calloway here, Pastor of the Gate, and I want to welcome you to the Crowd Decor Weekly Podcast, where you can learn to walk in faith, favor, and a future that is out of this world. Our prayer for you today is that you will be convicted, challenged, and changed in Jesus' name as you continue in this adventure from the crowd of the world into the core of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well today. I am so excited about what God is doing in your life. And hey, we are at the very end of this sermon series that we've been looking at over the last several weeks and champion. And I want to talk to you about two champions at the end of this time that I think is really going to help us in understanding what a champion truly is and how we go into the future. And can I just say, I am uh, believing that God has an incredible future for you. We say it every week, you have a future that's out of this world. And sometimes what happens is, is we look at the future as way off in a distance, but in reality, 10 minutes from now is our future. 24 hours from now is our future. In the next few weeks is our future. And God says, I've got an out of this world future for you just in the next week. In the next month, in the next year, what does he have for you? And it is so amazing. And, what, and I believe that. Well, hey, listen, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, my name is Jay, my wife Vicki and I, we lead this amazing place called The Gate, uh, Northwest Indiana, Chicagoland area, and I know we are all over. We've been getting reports from all over the nation and really all over the world for what God is doing. And I just believe that God has a special plan for your life. And Vicki and I, we pray for you. We want to just thank you for coming in and being a part today, wherever you're at, whenever you are right now. Uh, we just want to let you know that we are here for you and we, want to pr- we are praying for you and believing for you. Well, as we wrap up this, se- this, this series coming up here on Champion and, and going into our, next, uh, into our next series next week, I just wanted to remind you, and if you have your Bibles, turn with me in, you, in your Bible. And if you have your Bible, how many of you have your Bible? Say yes. Amen. If you don't, say oops. Good deal. Get your Bible out. And I want you to look at Psalm 19. We've been camping on this passage of Scripture for a long time. And, and I want to just remind you about it. Psalm 19, verse 5, and it says there, it's, it's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. Champions come out and, and, and step out in front of the people. Champions run the course whether they win or not. It's not about winning. It's not about doing, it's literally about stepping out. And we talked about that. We talked about champions understanding that there's going to be days of failure or days, days of defeat. But while we might be defeated in one day, we're going to be in victory ultimately. That we might, be, uh, we might lose a battle, but we're going to win the war. We talked about the position of a champion being that of, a, of a, under the favor of God, that he positions himself. She positions herself as the favor. And then we, we talked about the resolve and, and being able to look at that resolve and be able to face it in Deborah and Gideon. And then last week we talked about getting your, uh, get, you know, get your butts out of your perspective. And I just believe that God has a Joshua experience for you where you will begin to look at the, yourself and see yourself as God sees and not like anybody else sees you. But I want to talk to you today about something that I feel is so important because champions, they see beyond today. Champions actually see beyond what is going on around them. 
They're not just excited or they're not just believing in what's happening and what's going on right here, but they're able to go in and see into the future. They're ones that can see and have vision, that can go and look at the end and come back and say, I want to make that happen. They also, champions, are, 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 are ones of courage, that they can step up, they can look at what, what, is, what God is doing in the in around and say, you know what, I'm going to have courage to do that. And I want to talk to you about two champions that were children of God and they were faithful and they believed in what was going to happen and they took great risk as we've talked about in the past. But the first, the first one I want to talk to you about is Nehemiah, the great wall builder, the one that began to build the wall after Ezra came in to build the temple in Jerusalem after it had been annihilated. Ezra comes in and builds the temple and that is the picture of worship. And then Nehemiah comes in and builds the wall around Jerusalem. And then there's Esther, a great, a great warrior, a great princess, and ultimately a great queen. She comes in with great courage and does something that is even culturally against everything that she was raised and everything that the society around her was to be. And a lot of times what happens as children of God, we are called to have great vision. To not just see here, but to know what's going on into the future. To have vision for our family. You see, it is said there of champions, it, it's, it's said there of champions that, that, in, that champions take their people, families, communities into a God-inspired tomorrow. And they have courage to do so. And as children of God, that's exactly what we have. And so I want you to say it like you mean it and believe it today. Say it with me. Today, I am a child of God. I have faith to move mountains, favor from the King of Kings, and a future that is out of this world. My foundation is the Word of God. My walk is sure. My talk is confident. My attitude is like Christ. Today, I will hear the Word of God. Today, I will do the will of God. Today, I will be convicted, challenged, and changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you believe it? Praise God. Well, turn to somebody next to you, give them a high five all around you and say, I believe it for you too. If you're by yourself, I've said it before, but just give yourself a high five and say, I believe it for me as well. Maybe you can go share this post and go reach out and say, hey, I'm believing that God, that God is going to do an incredible thing in your life today, that you are a child of God, and I'm believing that for you. Share this with somebody because I know this message is going to be something for each one of them. Well, as we talk about this as a champion, one of the great champions was Nehemiah. And in the first chapter of the book of Nehemiah that he writes, it's really kind of his memoirs. And he finds out that there is this incredible, incredible sadness that he has on himself. He begins to look. In fact, at one point, he's in exile and he's in the land where King Artaxerxes is. And the king is there. Nehemiah is the cupbearer. In other words, he is so trustworthy that the king, Nehemiah is a slave at this point. He is simply one that is in exile. He's not in his own land. He's in a foreign kingdom and he's with a foreign government and a foreign king. And he's presenting himself and positioning himself with such loyalty that the king trusts him to taste the food. He trusts him to be there. The cupbearer is known as one of the most trusted allies of the king and here nehemiah is and he's proven himself as trustworthy he's proven himself as loyal he's proven himself with faithfulness and yet there's this sadness on him 
And he walks in one day, and he walks into the king, and Artaxerxes looks at him and says, Nehemiah, why so sad? Why are you so down? Well, I want to back up a few verses of Nehemiah, the first chapter there, and we find out that this was in the 20th year of the reign of Artaxerxes. In other words, he's been around for 20 years. There's a relationship that has been built here. But Nehemiah has been given a vision, and God has been putting a vision in him. And he's been saddened because he finds out, he starts really being concerned about the condition of his home, the condition of what's going on in Jerusalem. Have you ever had a point in time when you're sitting back and you're looking at it and you're thinking to yourself, man, I I don't know why, but I just keep thinking of this person. I don't know why, but I just keep thinking of the condition of this state. I keep, my heart is just saddened or, or maybe you're just convicted. Maybe there's some point in time where you just, you wake up and you're thinking about this or you go to sleep and you're thinking about this. This is what happened with Nehemiah. And it was all about the condition of the wall of Jerusalem. You see, God was sparking him. God was kind of almost poking him, kind of poking at his chest, maybe pricking his heart a little bit, saying, I want you to think about this. Did you realize that the Holy Spirit will just implant ideas or thoughts in your mind? He will begin to wake you up in certain ways. He'll begin to give dreams to you about things that you're sitting back going, man, why am I thinking about this? What is going on? And Nehemiah literally began to have this. And it sought, it sought Nehemiah began to seek what was going on. And we see some lessons about Nehemiah in this vision. We begin to see some lessons about that. You know, you see, a lot of times we'll see a problem, and in reality, a vision, a lot of times, is to guide us through problems, to guide us through difficulties, and to guide us through times. Joseph, as we talked about a few weeks ago, had a dream and a vision that was going to guide the children of Israel into Egypt for salvation through a great famine. You see, vision always brings about a solution to a problem. Vision brings in this area of spiritual and emotional and practical uh, mindsets. And then vision will always require help. You see, this this moment of time that Nehemiah was found, he finds himself in, he finds himself in looking at this idea and he begins to go and ask some people. Now I want you to know the Bible says there that Nehemiah went to the elders and the fathers of the land. He sent word back and saying, tell me the condition of my home. I want to know where we are at. I want to know what is going on. And it says there that he returned. He went in and talked to the people that were, had left the captivity and went into the land. And the leaders and the fathers and the elders of the land writes back to Nehemiah saying, it's a desperate situation here. It is a very desperate situation. Can I tell you that a lot of times when God is, things are coming to your mind, God is beginning to speak to you in a mighty way. God begins to move in your heart and everything else. Sometimes it's not just that you act on that feeling or you act on that. It's simply that you go and talk to somebody about it. That you go and require and say, inquire of it and say, hey, what's going on? He literally went and talked to those people. He began to look around and say, what is happening here? And they began to show share with him the, the, the story. They begin to share with him the condition. 
Sometimes it's good. I used to do it when I was raising my kids and I would have a, there would be something in my heart. I'm going, I don't know if I see it right. I'm a little concerned about my daughters. I'm a little concerned about my son. I have young people running around me all the time and I see something in their eye and I'm like, I'm not sure about that. I've got leaders that come around me and I begin to pray and I begin to seek God. But a lot of times I don't just act on that. I, I, I go to my wife, Vicki, when we were raising our children. And I said, babe, am I, am I sensing something? I just, I just feel something. We need to either pray or we need to, are you sensing anything? I, I look some dimness in the eye or, or maybe there's some excitement. And I said, I don't know what's going on, but there is, a, there's a, there is a enthusiasm going on. And I just begin to walk that through. You see, what happened in that place is that, uh, that he began to, Nehemiah began to look at things practically. He began to look at things spiritually, and he also began to look at things emotionally. It says there in the Word of God in verses 2 and 3 that, that, or that Nehemiah went back and he began to talk and ask them about what's going on. He began to get practical ways. He began to address the need. He says, what do we need for this? How do we need to go about this? What way can we make the wall and build the wall? See, vision from a champion's mindset is many times is very, very practical. You're going to have to raise some funds. You're going to have to put a team together. You're going to have to look at somebody and talk to somebody that knows more about the, the area. Just because God gives you a vision doesn't mean sometimes that you are the professional of it. A few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to walk into one of our campuses and we had a question about the facility. I could not answer that question, but I knew someone who could. And I called him up and I said, hey, can you meet us down here at this, at, at this facility? I need you to tell me what is going on with the building. And immediately he did. And he gave me, he gave me plan after plan after plan. He gave me specifics about it because I went to those around. You see, God will put things in your heart. And many times the reason why he puts them in your heart is because you don't have everything that there is to do. You don't know anything and you have to rely on other people. You have to rely on God because a vision will always be bigger than you. A vision will always be outside of your complete understanding. You see, if you know everything that there is to know about the vision that God has given you, there's no reason for anybody else. If you know everything there is to know about the, vision, about the vision for your children, you don't need your spouse. And many times we hear that as I don't need, you know, a, a mom might go like, I don't need a man to do it. I can do all this myself. Or a man might go like, I don't need that woman. I, don't, I can do it all myself. And the reality is, is the picture, the perfect picture of God is, is a man and a woman together and walking that through. And God is saying that even in those times, you might be sitting there trying to do it all by yourself. God can bring in spiritual moms and spiritual dads to make up the gap of whatever your life has been and where it's gone. You see, what God is saying there is we can learn from Nehemiah is that he began to have that vision and he began to call on the people that he was around him. But something happened and he became very emotional. He became very spiritual about it. The Bible says that he began to pray. And I want to read the prayer that, that Nehemiah prayed. It says there, when I heard this, the report of what was going on, he says there, when I heard this, this is in verse 4, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, 
the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and un, of unfailing love and those who love him and obey his commandments. Listen to my prayer. And I want to just stop right there for a moment. Because when he got that vision and he began to see the, the he could not shake it. The Bible says there and scholars say that that he fasted and he prayed and he mourned for four months before he did anything else. He sought God. He began to pray. He, that prayer in that time, it wasn't just a few days. It wasn't just a couple of minutes where he just got down. He literally, in a, in a vision that God has for each one of us, there's times where you might take an entire season, entire time and go, I want to just take some moments of time. I want to talk to some people. I want to get some godly influence and some godly advice. And I, some people that have gone on before me, there's some people that are out there beyond me. And when that happens... All of a sudden, there was this emotional reaction, and it says there of Nehemiah that he cried, he mourned, and he wept. But then he picked himself up. And after four months of him seeing this, he realized, this isn't going to shake. I've got to get on with this. And he knew he's going to have to have help. And he goes to the one with the resources, the king. Now, Nehemiah could have literally been killed at that point, just saying, asking to go back. He was the cupbearer. He was the close king's confidant. Even in the position he was, he had the king's ear. He had the king's heart. He had the king's mind. And he goes in, and he doesn't say a word, but his countenance is down so low, the king looks at him, Artaxerxes, and says, what is going on with you? Why are you so sad? And he tells him, he says, I just want you to know my home is being ravaged. Thank you for letting those that have gone on before, but there's something inside of me. And the king looks at him and says, what do you need? I believe right now, as God is speaking right through to you, there are some people of resource that you just need to tell why you're downcast or you need to tell why you're at the table. There is a blessing inside of you and you just need to walk in and say, I need help. You might walk into them and they might be, somebody might be asking you this last week, what's going on with your life? What do you need? And you keep quiet. And he's going like, no, that's a king. That's a resource. He's jumping in there. And Nehemiah was so strong in that that he literally said, here's what I need. Here's where I'm at. But Nehemiah also realized that he couldn't do it all himself. He required help. And in verse 11, in verse 11, he sees, we see this idea that he needed help in what was going on in going back to the wall, going back to the king, going through all of that. In verse 11, he says, Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In other words, he's saying, God, this is bigger than me. I've got to go to you first. Before we go to any kings, we've got to go to the king of kings. There's people all around us that can be resourced, but what happens when we go to the kings first, we expect them to resource. When you go to your spouse first, you go to your kids first, you go to your boss first, you go to those around first, instead of going to the king of kings first, what you're doing is you're putting your, you're putting your, your, your efforts, you're putting your success, you're putting your foundation, you're putting your economy and everything else 
into all that's around you. So many times we go into those areas and we don't go to God first. We do it after everything is all said and done. And then we're like, oh, I guess I'll try God. Oh, I guess I'll try the church. And God is saying, no, come to me first and then I'll bring in the resources. Because it's like that song that's being sung oh, re just recently, Jaira. It says there, I've never been any more loved than I am right now. I didn't hold you up so I can never let you down. Can I tell you? You're not holding God up. God is holding you up. When you go to Him, then you will begin to have that understanding and those open doors. And those then, when He opens the door to bring around, they will begin to flock in. When you go to the King of Kings before you go to the Kings of the land. But Nehemiah, when he did that, all of a sudden the king began to just resource him with everything. The king gave him documents to say he's an ambassador of the king. He walked in him through, and in less than 50 days, Nehemiah was able to build that entire wall complete. But he didn't do it by himself. He had to get help. He had men and women. He had, he had the permission of the authority of the land. He had the backing of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He went in and he walked in there. And can I just tell you, God did an incredible, incredible thing through Nehemiah. A vision accomplished. And here's why. Ezra went in to establish the house of worship. Nehemiah went in to establish the protective wall of the house of worship. All of a sudden now, we see this incredible picture of Nehemiah and how he walked that through. But you see, there is another, there is another, um, there's another champion that I want to talk to you about because anytime that you go in, and while we've seen Nehemiah and had the favor of the king, when he got there, he had a lot of pushback from men and, and people in the land that wanted to leave it like that. And we see this incredible picture as we leave Nehemiah at that place and seeing the, the amazing outpouring of help and the outpouring of resource and do, being able to build that wall in less than 50 days because of the help he had and the vision of God and doing it right. But the next person we want to look at, I want to look at is Esther. She had a moment in time that, that was completely of her call. And many of us know the story of Esther. But if you don't, she was a Hebrew lady. And she was called to the king's chamber. He was, she was called and became one of the king's wives. And her, her uncle Mordecai said, I want you to know this very might, well might be your time. You need to go in. She could have fought. She could have run. She could have gone to the, to the hills going like, I'm not going to go into the harem of a foreign king. And the things that she had to be a part of and the, and the things that she had to partake of in a culture that was foreign and against her life. We don't understand why sometimes that we have to do things and be things and say things that, that may not seem right to us. And all of a sudden we're in this culture and we find out there's courage that we got to stand up. And at one moment, she's looking at her uncle and she's telling him, there are things happening right now that the entire land of Israel, all the people of Israel are going to be stricken down. They're going to be destroyed. It was almost as if it was 1945 
And Hitler was there. And he was there to annihilate all the Jews and put them in the chamber. Well, there was a man by the name of Naaman. And he was in that land. And he was, he was <clears throat> concocting an entire plan to annihilate and genocide the entire Israel nation. And God sees Esther and puts Esther in this place. And I believe he did that because he knew that Esther had an inside courage that could face what she was getting ready to face. You see, when we stand up as champions, when we move as champions, we step up into the face of the giant. We step up into the face of authority. We step up into the face of those and have courage and stand strong. Courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is the ability to stand up in the middle of fear. Courage isn't the, isn't the absence of confusion. Courage is we stand up and stand in the confusion until clarity makes itself known. You see, Esther couldn't understand what was going on in all of these things, why she was put into a, into a very secular society as a child of God, as a Hebrew young lady. She, brings, she comes in, and now she's part of his wives, the whole group. Why does those kinds of things happen? But Esther had the courage. She had courage to confront the resistance. You see, the king, she says to her, she says to her uncle, Mordecai, if I go in to see the king and tell him these things, he'll kill me. The custom of that day was that the king would never see anybody that they just show up. The only way you could see the king is if he summons you. You may live, Esther could have lived in that time and never seen the king, ever, unless he calls her. But there was such a time as this, and she couldn't wait for the king to call. She had to go see the king. And she looks at her uncle and says, I don't, if I do this, it's going to go against culture. It's going to go against society. It's going to go against the law. It's going to go against norms. It's going to go against all of this. And Mordecai looks at him, looks at her and says, Esther, you're there quite possibly for such a time as this. You see, not only did she have the courage to walk through and not only the courage to confront the resistance of the culture, to step up and say, this isn't the way things are done, but we've got to do something here because my people are going to be annihilated. There's times where you're going to have to step up. And I say, I know culture doesn't want you to do this. I know the society. I know everything says that we should operate this way, but I'm going to step up because my children are getting ready to be annihilated in this society. My wife, my kids, my husband, my family, my church, my world, my community. I've got to step up and go against the culture of the land simply because I need a king to stop what's going on. And we stand up there. But Mordecai did something else, is that whenever you have this courage, it will always connect you to your calling. I've had many people say this, and I've shared this story quite frequently. But after we've been here for over 32 years, Vicki and I, there's been times where young leaders will come up and say, how do you keep going? What makes you keep going in all of that? So many times you see pastors leave just going here and here and here or you have that. We've had, we've had our, 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 uh, 
Our leadership team has been together for many years. We just announced and shared that our, our youth pastor, Dale Garza, is, is sensing release, but he's been with us for 21 years. How blessed can we be? This has been amazing, is what God has done. And yes, God does release and move on, and we realize that he puts things back. But they ask us, what causes you to stay or what causes you to put in what causes men that are on our team to stay 20 and 30 years what causes people to still and the only thing that we can go back to is the calling the only thing that we know that we can do is the calling and the calling says this you were placed here for such a time as this you weren't born in 1873 because you needed to be in this place at 2021 you weren't born in 1945 because your makeup in 2021 was going to help walk people through a pandemic. God is saying to each one of us that you need to have the courage to step up because what you have inside of you is what is needed right now. And your courage will always connect to the call. Why we're still here is we always go back to that call of 32 years ago when we drove in off of that 8094 and tears begin to fall down my wife's eyes and we just sensed immediately without meeting anybody, without seeing the church, seeing all we saw was an orange roof of the Howard Johnsons. That's it. That's all we saw. And we knew this was home. We knew this was the place. And it's taken courage and it connects us. Every time that we're saying, God, what do we face? Where do we at? The cur the, it connects us. The courage that we have, the calling will always spur us on to connection. But it also does something else. It compels us to action. I say this all the time. What keeps you up at night and what wakes you up early in the morning is probably what you're called to do. What keeps you up and what compels you into action? Well, how are you to face? How can you act in the face of, of, of resistance? How can you act in the face of, of thinking that you're going to sit back and, and you're going to do something that's so countercultural? The whole reality is that a vision and courage compels action. In other words, Esther didn't simply talk about it. She didn't like, well, one day I'll go to the king. One day we'll do this while all of her people were being annihilated by a wicked, wicked man by the name of Naaman. No. You see, champions have this ability to act. And I believe the reason is, is because the very first definition of a champion is one who steps out. There has to be an action for you to even be considered a champion. You can't just sit back and be the wallflower. You can't sit back and just be that one. You have the willingness in the wiring. You have to be, have a willingness in there. There has to be heart and not just DNA. There has to be a willingness. Muhammad Ali said back there to be a champion in the ring is more about willingness than it is skill. To be a champion in the ring is more about desire than it is, than it is the, the effort of your punch. The, will, the, the, the ability to be a champion in the ring, he says, is more about drive and more about discipline than it is any thing else that drive inside of you and we learn with Esther that it was her willingness not her wiring that she was that she was able to be a champion not her heart it was her heart not her DNA you see it wasn't about it wasn't about that moment of time where we just say okay I'm done I can't do it anymore 
You see, she was willing to act. She didn't go in and ring the bell and say, I'm done, or throw in the towel. She didn't take her foot off the gas. You see, you get to a point in life sometimes. You get to a place where you're saying, I have no more to give. And that's when God comes in and says, but remember the call. Jesus, at the moment of time with the Garden of Gethsemane, says, let this cup pass for me. I don't have any more. And scholars say that when that blood was pouring through his sweat glands, he was at the very point of death. Physically, he could not go on anymore, but yet he was called to do this. He was called to go to the cross. He was called to die. He was called to raise from the dead. And just like that, you and I are called, and it has to be connected to the call that will compel us to action even when we don't feel like we've got anything left. You see, today, God's called us. He's called us into an incredible, incredible way to advance our families, advance our community, advance our kids, our marriage, our church, into an incredible, incredible future that God has, but it's going to take courage it's going to take vision, and you've got that. But can I just say to you right now, you may, you may not have all of that, but, you, but, but you're sitting back and like, I want that. The quickest way to get that is just to let the Spirit of God implant in your life. The quickest way to do that is simply to accept Christ as your personal Savior and let, and let Him as your Father begin to just pour into you. And if you're here today, I want to just encourage you. I want to guide you. I want to just spur you on a little bit and challenge you to commit your life to Christ and let Him put vision in your life. Let Him put courage in there to stand up. And if that's you today, I want you just to put in there champion, champion, champion. Just write the word champion in there. And, and we'll know that you're committing your life and, and giving, it, giving, it to, giving it to God. And I want to pray with you today. And I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer with me. But especially those that you says, you know what, that's me. I want a vision for a greater future. I want a vision for my family. I want to take my family into a better tomorrow. But the only way to do that is through Christ. And I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. Say this, Lord Jesus, thank you. For you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I confess, I believe, and I declare that God raised you from the dead and that you are the Son of God. And today, I call on you to be my champion. And I ask you today to give me vision and give me courage to do all you've called me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer, we believe 100% that you're, you're, you have just committed your life to Christ, that you have become a child of the Most High God, that you've been born again, and that you can walk in a greater abundance and a greater confidence than ever before. And we mean it, we believe it. And Vicki and I, we're praying for you, and we believe that you can walk strong, and we want to walk with you in whatever way that we possibly can, and we encourage you to reach out to us. But before you go, before we all go, I want to just bless you right now. So I'm going to ask you just to stretch your hand toward me and just let me bless you before we go. I bless you now in your families, your friendships, and your finances. I bless you in your families that your, that your marriage would be lighthouse to the neighborhood and those around you. I bless you and your children that they would be blessed to the thousandth generation as you lead them and raise them up in the ways that they should go. I bless you now in your finances that you would have more than enough to pay your bills, 
you would have more than enough to pay them on time and that you would be you would have more than enough to bless all around you as you follow the Lord in biblical stewardship. I bless you now in your friendships, that you would be the head and not the tail, the top and not the bottom, that you would, <clears throat> that you would be an influencer in this world and not just be influenced by it. I bless you now in Jesus' name. Now go and be a blessing to all around you. Go, champion, go. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Crowd Decor podcast. We believe this message has inspired you, convicted and challenged and changed you in Jesus' name. And we invite you to partner with us as we reach out and continue to reach out with the message of moving from the crowd of the world into the core of the kingdom of Jesus Christ to all of those around you and around the world. And we ask that you visit thegateonline.net slash giving to be a part of this incredible outreach to reaching those for Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. We love you. We appreciate you. And may you have a great, great day.